is worth two slaves, not by a long shot. Hello, welcome to episode 23 of the Weekly Song Podcast. My name is Roger Heathers, and more and more every week I'm sounding like a sports commentator <laughs> at the beginning of the show. It's amazing, transformation. Um, <laughs> Uh, welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, we are a songwriting podcast and uh, we give ourselves seven days to write respective songs. Me, Roger Heathers, and my co-host... Hello. <laughs> Declan <Declan-Kitchener. Declan-Kitchener. laughs> Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Good and, to hear you're doing and well. And you, are you doing well? I, I am also doing well. I wonder what? who else is doing well. Let's ask them. How are you doing? No one here is doing well. <laughs> no, I'm all good. I'm all good. Cool. Yeah. To introduce you... You are Matt Partridge of Majaro. Yes, yeah, that's correct. And you are joining us because you have written a song. I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> if, if, it, if it deems being called a song or not, then, you know. Well, um, we've had Matt on before, haven't we, Declan? Yes, we have. And uh, last time you wrote a brilliant song which you actually took to your band and actually took live, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And uh, to great effect. My um, <laughs> Uh, also, uh, for anyone who's listening to the show for the first time, uh, what we do, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, is uh, we, Declan and I, uh, when we're sans guests, we give ourselves seven days to write uh, a song each. And we don't get to hear each other's songs, bring them to the podcast, and then we talk about how we wrote them and all things chords and lyrics and all that sort of stuff. And uh, when we have a guest on the show, if it's okay with them, Matt, um, we, uh, we ask them if they want to go first. Yeah. So um, what's your song called this week? Um, you know what? It's so recent that I haven't even decided on a name for it. So I like it when that happens. Yeah. It, I mean, there's a possible name again and again, but that's just throwing something out there that I haven't really decided on yet. So that's like the working title. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And uh, how, long, how long did it take you to write the song? Um... 20 minutes-ish. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, I mean, apart from about a couple of minutes today where I jotted an idea down. Okay. That was a bit... This is semi-improvisational. I like that. I like that. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I I wouldn't say it's improvisational. It's got a structure. It's just been pretty last minute, but something came around with it. So we'll see how it goes. Because you wrote it in such a short period of time... When you write, do you kind of write like front to back so it's all finished, or do you just kind of get like a skeleton of what the structure's going to be like and then kind of like revisit it and put in stuff later, or what's your approach with that? Um, initially, I'll just get like a guitar lick or something like that, and I'll play it a few times. And then usually, if it's going to happen, I'll get a phrase come into my head. Mm-hmm. And then, so I start to sing over it. Before I know it, things start falling into place and I've got a verse. And then I'm like, oh. What can we do for a chorus? And I'll try something out, and if it fits, then I'll carry on with it. And if right, it doesn't, right. I'll just keep trying until I get something. But well, it usually comes from a sort of a... I get into a flow. Once I'm in the flow, it just keeps coming. It's just annoying when you can't get into the flow. Yeah. I get that all the time. Yeah. Once you're in there, it's like they keep, all the ideas keep coming. You have to yeah. like bat them off with a stick. But before yeah. you're waiting, you're just like, anything, anything, yeah, like exactly. a chord change, come on. The greatest yeah. song of my life, now. Unless, like, Any moment now. <laughs> we were saying about that before the podcast, actually. Like, like when you're with your friends and you're just like noodling, you pick up their guitar. You were saying, Matt, like mm, you pick up yeah. your friend's guitar. You come up with like a killer riff right on the spot. But if you actually go home and like sit in your room and you go, right, okay, I'm going to write a really good song now. Because of you're intentionally doing it, it's so hard to actually yeah, do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's really tricky. Okay, this could go either of two ways. Really good or 
really bad, so we'll see. <laughs> It's um, it's kind of yeah, like you said before the podcast. It's kind of like the poppiest I've heard you, you know, um, in terms of like songwriting goes. Mm, yeah. Um, it's really cool. Like the chorus is awesome. Like that first chord going into the chorus, it looks like a C, but it's not. I think it's an F of some kind. That's such a weird little chord, that one. It's like yeah. a suspended sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, With the major seventh in there. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it? You don't hear a lot in like uh, heavy tunes, which is quite nice to hear it in there. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh, that's so. Uh, what was I going to say? What came first, on the riff or the? Definitely the riff. Yeah. That's usually the first thing that comes to me. In fact, I kind of came up with a variation of it at first, and then I have this thing about keys. When I look back over what I've written, I'll play a riff and I'll be like, oh. Actually, that pretty much sounds like a rip-off of da-da-da-da-da that I've written. Right, right, because it's in the same key. Yeah. I do exactly the same and, thing. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, man, I need to change it slightly. So my first port of call is just to move it somewhere else on, on the fretboard. And then I, I play around with it, and I'm like, yeah, change the rhythm a bit. So, yeah, the first thing that came was that sort of... And then I was like, ah, 
That sounds nice. Where can I go from there? Okay, that'll do. <laughs> That's just the, the initial thing, like, comes to me. And then, usually, a lyric will pop into my head that's like, something, some sort of description of sort of my mood or something at the yeah. particular time. And from there, it just keeps flowing. So what was the descriptor this time for, for the mood? Like, what lyric kind of came first? Like, the sort of uh, saying or... Um, it started off with, I, I can't get enough of this, simply, it's almost like a, a turnaround on the fact that sometimes you feel stuck in a situation, but it's almost like, if you think about it another way, it's if you're stuck in a situation, you can't get up. It's almost like you, in a way, really love it. You know, you obviously like right, it to right. keep yourself there. Do you know or what at I mean? least it's more so comfortable than the change. Possibly, or the like... fact that it's just like, even if it's a really bad situation, it's like, you know, why am I stuck in this? I must really like it for some reason. You know, kind of almost yeah. like a sarcastic take on on the reason behind... Yeah, yeah, totally. It's I, feeling I totally a certain way, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, it's almost like psychologically sometimes you can keep yourself in the same sort of like relationships and situations. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's what you've always been used to. Like, yeah. like people say that like, they end up with a partner that, that like shares some of the same attributes, like positive and negative, as yeah. like their parents and stuff. Yeah. Like, and they end up in that same place. Um, it reminds me of this bit from the film Clerks. You ever seen Clerks before? No, I haven't. Um, so it's like I want to watch this. It's really good. It's like um, it's Kevin Smith's first movie, and it had to be shot in black and white because he just didn't have the budget to use color. But it reminds me of this one scene from it where um, uh, one ca- uh, one character is saying to another, he's going um, you know, uh, my mum always used to say like. I'm I'm so uncomfortable with things that like when I was a little boy mm. I'd rather like sit on my my potty that was like full of mm. crap and um then get up and actually like do something about it I'd rather just stay with the mess that I've made yeah, than actually do yeah. anything different yeah. so it just made me think of that when you said about yeah. that yeah yeah I'd say that's just, like I've been going through a phase of basically not sleeping at all so those first two lines like I can't get enough of this and I can't get no sleep again Oh, kind right. of just fell into place, like, on top of each other. And I was just like, well, I'll run with how that makes me feel, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like a, like a literal lyric. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. It's always cool when that happens, like, when it falls into place, because it sounds so lyrical. Mm. Like, I think you've had a couple of examples of that in your songs, and I know I have in mine, where, like, um, the general, like, it sounds lyrical, and, like, uh, what's that one, like... Uh, with Find It Where It Comes, with me, you said, like, I yeah. thought that was all, like, fiction. I went, no, literally, those yeah. are the things that happened, you know, so... Yeah, just, like, how life can sometimes provide these sort of weird windows into what will become some sort of weird poetry over music. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, totally. But I sort of... Now that you mentioned that, I, to- I totally get a lot more of the lyrics, I get the, more of the general feel of the song, because... Yeah. I get, I get the sort of mood you're going for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the riff is cool as well because like it's so variable. Like obviously you start out just playing it a certain way. I love the way the Declan just play like any riff, yeah. like just yeah. have to hear it at once. But then you can like you add like bends in and like cool runs and stuff like that by the time you get to like just before the second verse and stuff. Yeah, so that's yeah. always cool. It's nice to have a, for me anyway, I enjoy having like a, a sort of structure to something, but then being able to manipulate it slightly mm. just to I always think about like, oh, what would this be like if it was on a record? And you know, when you when you listen to a record, like the main things is, well, in, in a lot of ways, subconscious because you have like a structure, mm. but then there's little bits thrown in, in certain places. Which, yeah, 
to to listen if you were listening to it without being really sort of um investigative into how the song's written then um you know you wouldn't quite notice them but then when you listen to it with like a musical ear on yeah you're like oh they've put that in there and it's slightly different but it's akin to the normal totally. sort of feel of the song like um i think they use that quite a lot in pop music where like they'll like mm. like some smart producer who's just being paid to do it he'll like make the second verse, like, very similar to the first verse, but it'll kind of, like, put, like, a certain type of percussion just to give it that, like, yeah. edge. Yeah. And um, another one that comes to mind, um, I, I know you're a Queens of the Stone Age fan, so you probably, like, blanch at me using No One Knows as an example, <laughs> but it's such a good song. Yeah. Like, the way that in the bridges of that song, like, Dave Grohl's drums, um, the fills he's using changes with each bridge, and it makes every bridge sound unique. Yeah. Like, because, you know, he starts off with... And he ends up with like, you know, yeah, like yeah. The, even the faster that, ones. There's actually like a set structure to the way he does that, but then by the time he gets to the like, the, you know, the height of the the apex of the song where it gets really yeah. loud, that's when things start to just go a bit off the wall. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I actually sat down once and like learnt the drums to that song, which was oh my god, you can play it. Yeah, it's pretty insane. <laughs> Oh, that's that's crazy. I tried to play it, like, just, like, messing around. Like, we were playing it at brand practice a little while ago, weren't we, Douglas? Yeah, I think we just sort of, like, just tried to jam it out. <laughs> I was just trying to do the... Dindalum, dindalum, boom, yeah. boom, 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 Yeah, they're, they're just that, I think crazy. that's called a herter. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never sense. heard that term before. It's... it's, <laughs> it's um, H-U-R-T. It's, it's five beats divided into triplets. Oh, my God, it's crazy. One, two, three, one, two, three. It's funny, I can kind of do it, like, fairly easily hand-wise, but yeah. when you've got to, like, move around the drums and do it that way, that's yeah. even harder. But, yeah. but anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> but the digression, people like the digression. Yes. From what I've heard, anyway. Um, but no, that's a really cool song. Um, are you going to take it to Majaro at all, or is it just going to be, like, a more acoustic sort of thing? Um, I'll see. Because um, we've, been, we've been writing a few more... Well, I say writing. I've got, like, sort of a back burner list of songs that I've written mm. over quite a long time. And so some of them I'll bring up in the band and be like, oh, should we try this? Yeah. And so of lately we've got... We, we're doing a gig on Sunday and we're, I was like, right, we, here's our target. We need four new songs. Mm. So I was kind of just like, what do you guys think of these four ideas? And all of them seem... Well, apart from one, which is pretty out there, manic. But the rest of them are quite sort of chilled out. Mm. Um, and I think we need more of that a little bit just to diversify our set. Right, just to make some balance yeah. there. So I may well take that one to Majaro, but I think it needs... I think I might change a few bits on it. Yeah. Or add a few bits, who knows. Well, it's certainly the type of song, in my mind anyway, that could be, like, sort of changed around where you go, like, well, I want another verse, actually, or, like, mm. maybe, like, extend the riffs, you yeah. know, make them, like, have a more of a build or whatever. But yeah. I was wondering also with... um, Sorry to cut you off there, Declan. I was going to ask... Go on, you... <laughs> Now that you've drawn attention to that, sorry, you could you could have carried on. I was also going to say, like, it seems like very open for sort of, like, you know, the Black Sabbath thing where they would, like, mm. have the main, when they were working out the songs, they'd have, like, the main structure and then yeah. they'd just improvise loads of guitar nonsense over it and go back to that bit. Yeah. Like, that seems to be a good template for that one. Mm. For At least for, from my fevered imagination. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's, totally. all, that's all I was going to say. No, no, I think that's a great point. Mm. I was just going to say as well, like, with Majaro, um, are you, like, the principal writer, or do you do guys, like, write the songs, like, in the same room? Or is it a case of, like, you write on acoustic and bring it to them? I think it's it's more of a case of I write on acoustic and bring it to them. But then when we get in the same room, 
we're always like bouncing ideas off each other. Yeah. And so I feel like a bit of a control freak sometimes because I think when you get a song in your head, for me anyway, if I play a song like that and I get the ideas on an acoustic guitar, I immediately hear the drums, the bass, everything else with it. Yeah. So I have a complete image of how I envisage the song. And it's always a thing when, you, when you're in a group doing something creative together, you've got to give everyone leeway to put their own spin on it. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to let go of that. It, it is, isn't it? It's yeah. like, I mean, you must get this all the time where like you, you sit down and you go, here's my new song, and yeah. then like whoever's playing drums, yeah. they start playing like the sort of like weird accents on different parts, and you're yeah. like, no, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Do what's in my head. Yeah, so, it's meant to be 4-4 four, four all the way, not all this clever stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we do have, we, we have like a sort of policy where I think... The main songwriter, because Rowan's written a song and Josh, our drummer's written a song now as well. Mm. But, you know, on the whole, I write the most songs. And we've got a kind of policy where whoever's the main songwriter kind of shoots their ideas, mm. their mental image of the song, but then leave it open to some sort of interpretation for sure. Sure, sure. So well, it's, still, it's still a group effort, but yeah. Um, I'd be very much of like the Queen way of doing things. Like That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Everything could be like a, anyone could suggest anything, but at the end of the day, the writer of the song mm. had the final yay or nay. Right. Yeah. Uh, didn't the Beatles have the same policy too? Um, I think so, but I'm not sure because you got Lennon McCartney that yeah. sort of messes things up a little bit in terms of. That's true, actually. Yeah, it's not like Ringo was writing, but with Queen, it was like very much like everyone was writing and bringing their stuff to the to the band. They were like, "All right, this is." John Deacon's song, so he gets to choose like the direction and stuff. Right, okay. Yeah. I never knew that about Queen. That's why loads of their albums like go all over the place in terms of like you'll have the heavy rock song, then you'll have a vaudeville song, mm. then you'll have like a six eight rock uh, odyssey about motor cars, and then you'll have like a Motown pop song, and then a skiffle song, and then yeah, yeah. Like it's why they why that happens. It's an interesting approach. But they, they yeah they they mastered the art of keeping their own sound. Yeah. Even though you're a group of people and like the singer has the same vocal tone per se, mm. you can have all the same sort of tones going on. Um, but I think there's, I think you could still lose touch from your sound as a as a group. Yeah. Even with all those things. Well, I've always made the argument that a band is always going to sound like the people in it. Right. Okay. So, like, uh, for example, say us three were in a band. Mm. Like, um, no matter what we did, it would still count out sounding relatively like us, provided we, like, did everything ourselves. Yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Like, um, this is one of my main arguments against session musicians. It's a very not much effort put into argument against session musicians, but... No, I, I see your point. Yeah. And I think when you've spent a lot of time playing together as well, you and you, you get that tight-knit feel... You can sort of begin to second-guess each other a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I always think, though, it depends on the personalities and chemistry of the band. Mm. Like, say, say us three were in a band, I think there would be, like... Because all of us three have, like, separate strong ideas of, like, what songwriting should be and stuff. So I reckon, like, it would kind of, like, tip in the balance of, like, different people depending on which song it was, which mm. could be a really good thing. But yeah. I always think, like... I've been in bands before where, like, my voice wasn't really heard just mm. because, like... I'm not like the most outspoken person in the world, so but other people are. So like yeah. they they can like kind of gain dominion over like what the sound of the band like generally goes towards. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting how like certain personalities like clash in a band or like the music they make. 
Yeah. I suppose at the end of the day, it's also partly the end material. Like when I was in Cherry Scream, I didn't get much of a say at all in what the music was going to be or how I was going to play my parts. Mm. But I loved every second of it because I loved the music. Yeah. I've been in other bands before and since where that hasn't always been true. Like I've not had the say, but then haven't necessarily enjoyed it as much. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if the music's fun, the music's fun. Yeah. Like I mean you can play covers and it can still be like yeah, still yeah. be like good fun. Like I think it's like about like having fun with the people you're playing with as well. Like even if you just kinda of, like meet strangers and you have a jam, like like we had a jam just for the podcast and it was like it was awesome. And that kinda of made me think like of our styles melding because mm. it kind of had a flavour of what your music sounds like. Just um obviously this isn't any good for people listening to the show now, but before the show we had kinda of, like a three way guitar jam sort of thing. And uh, it definitely had, like, the flavour of your sort of, like, angular riffs and stuff, yeah, I thought, yeah. at the time. And then you had, like, sort of, I don't know, like, sort of the tension that I like to bring to, to something where, like, there's, like, like, quiet sections. Yeah. And then sort of, like, the chord work that you do and stuff. Yes, the person just doing stuff all over it and <laughs> not paying attention to what's going on. <laughs> Ten-finger tap in Declan. <laughs> <laughs> it worked very well though. It did actually. Yeah. There were some really good grooves in that. Yeah. yeah. Like if that was a band playing that, there were like three or four grooves. I was like, that is really cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That was like a really cool little chat. Yeah. Like, you think, why aren't we on stage doing this right now? Mm. Where's our audience? <laughs> <laughs> Although we did get a round of applause. Yes, so. we did from my crowd. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. If um, if anyone's like, they can hear birds in the background, it's because we're um, we're recording with the door open because it's like a gorgeous summer, summer's evening. It's a million degrees in the room. If we had the doors closed, it would just be like, I'm sweating anyway, but yeah. I'd just be like roasting if we yeah. had the doors closed. So. It's basically like I posted a picture on Instagram a couple of, uh, about a week ago or so when I was finished writing songwriting yeah. uh, for last week and it, I just was just drenched. <laughs> Absolutely drenched. <laughs> And all I've been doing is sat in here and playing guitar for a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's funny how much I can take it out of you. I did the same thing recording guitars today, like, but you have to, like, close the window in my house. I live, like, on a council estate, so, mm-hmm. like, you've got to close the windows or else there's just people going, oh, get back here, and, you know, like, dogs barking and stuff, so you've got to close the window, but it's just, like, roasting hot. Like, my guitar was, like had sweat on the body where yeah, like my yeah. arm had been resting on it and stuff. Well, it's like I've noticed the more and more I play my Telecaster in here, I've got a sticker on the bit of the guitar where my arm travels down to meet the bridge. It's just wearing off. <laughs> Stop being a square shape. It's now got like, a corner cut out of it. <laughs> well, at least you haven't got like a Willie Nelson guitar. You ever seen his guitar before? No, no I haven't. Oh, what's his guitar called again? There's somebody like listening to this yelling out his name. Yelling out the guitar's name. Oh, Roger Finks. What's Willie Nelson's guitar's name? I'm trying to remember that name. I think it's called Angie or something. That's the wrong name. I can't remember. Anyway, he's got this guitar and he's had it since like the late sixties, and it's like this beautiful nylon guitar. And it's been like it's had to be been like restored like time after time. And like where he like rests his hand on the bridge, there's like this giant hole in the woodwork. Oh, like so you got like the sound hole and yeah. then you've got like, this other second like <laughs> conjoined hole where like his hands just rest for like fifty years or something. It's crazy, isn't but, it? Um, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't wanna remember that guitar's name. I look uh, forward to my guitars getting that old. Mm. If they still exist at that point. I like the idea of naming guitars too. As long as you don't smash them. Yeah. In a fit of rage. Yeah. I think the rock star rule is yeah. you should only smash the cheap copy of the guitar you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't I, think you should you... smash any guitar. No, I don't either. They can go to people like teenagers who are trying to learn guitar. Yeah. So. yeah. 
Well, that's kind of uh, the whole thing, like, for example, Who, like, the Who smashing their guitars. That started off as an accident. Yeah. Because uh, Pete Townsend was playing in a pub with a really low ceiling, and he went to, like, throw his guitar in the air and do a rock star move, and then he hit the ceiling and the neck just snapped. <laughs> and uh, so he then pretended it was deliberate because it was the last song of the set anyway and just destroyed all his gear. <laughs> <laughs> and from then on? Yeah. It's true I've always got this mental image of like if Pete Townsend ever walks into a guitar shop, like all the guitars suddenly like go out of tune and become impossible to play just so that it don't get picked by him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all the Townsend, quick, go out of tune, go out of tune. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like goes up to like in a horror movie, it's like doo doo, and he like strums it, and like the D's out, and he goes, "You're safe this time." <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so Declan. Hello. Um, you got a song this week? Yes. Right. Okay, bear in mind, I only wrote this yesterday. And I wrote this on bass and electric guitar. So... Ah. This is going to go interestingly. It's called Share Your Love With Me. And I'm going to mess up the words. Share your love with share your love 
really cool. That is very, very cool. God, I've just spent the whole last two and a half minutes just counting desperately. One, two, three. You're coming here! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really cool. Um, the bit that stands out to me most is... Um, sorry, I'm going to butcher this, but... Um, uh, any comfort I could get on my own, where you got like a D shape and then you like go up to another chord, like mm. get on my own. I love that bit. It's so yeah. like rocking. That's <laughs> very, really cool. That's very much the top of my range. That's hitting an F sharp and the chord is a D over F sharp. Oh right, which and goes back into the G. Right, right. That's yeah. really cool. I, what, what's yeah. the um, passing chord on the chorus? Um, it's something I well uh, did for my song last week. Like it's. Uh, you remember in Vultures and Giants, I have mm. that bit where... It's just another exploration of that concept. So it's a G with an A yeah. at the, an A chord, and then you keep playing yeah, okay. the other two notes of the A chord, but you yeah. move the bass note up to B flat, right? which is kind of a diminished chord. Yeah. So it's another way of doing that. But it's really good for, like, if you want to do Musy-style ascending... It's, um, it's really good because it's like oh it's going there oh ooh. Yeah. but it's still going there yeah. it's really really good really good, good isn't it yeah. that bit really stuck out to me as well yeah. yeah thank you and also like the way obviously like that wants to go to B minor and it does but it goes to that really cool riff you got in B minor instead of just a chord which I thought was nice yeah yeah that came about in a weird way um uh, this song was very much influenced by Royal Blood. Okay. Um, I wanted it to kind of sound almost like one of their songs. So what I did was I started writing on an acoustic bass. Mm. So um, that's a first for the uh, for the show, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. But all of my riffs tend to come from writing on a bass. I've noticed the same thing. Yeah. Like if you, you pick up a bass, you can be like. It feels like you're rocking it. Because you, you, can't, you can't just go... Yeah, exactly. You can't strum a chord. You've got to play a riff. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. I've never thought of it that way, actually. That's really true. But, um, yeah, I just had this idea for a melody line in my head. And so I found it on here. And then I was just thinking, well, I need a riff because I can't just keep doing that forever. So I ended up doing that. Sounds so good on bass. Yeah, it does sound very good on bass. Yeah, I almost wish I had like the Royal Blood setup so I could just go like the full on electric thing. But it's nothing special, it's just um, a B and then going up to D and chromatically running down. The only pain in the arse on that one is that the verse doesn't start on a one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like this is where I was like struggling to count in my head. Um, And I was. I don't know how this happened, but I was just writing the song and I, you know, thought I'd written it all fine and everything. And I got my song sorted, finished, completed. I thought, fantastic. Right, I'll go out and grab some food and then come back and uh, practice the song a little bit more. Yeah. So I was gone for about half an hour eating for some food. I came back and I started playing and I just could not place where the verse started. Yeah. And... You know, I thought it was just like a basic one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four thing. And then I listened back to the recording I made on my phone and I suddenly heard it. (laughs) I was like, how on earth 
earth did I do that and not notice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it works really well though. It's yeah. really it's um it's really interesting. Because you could like just do like dun dun yeah. Well, I, I, don't, actually, I, I, I did try and work yeah. something out with it, like, um, but it required you to sort of sing over yourself. Can't think straight, can't keep my mind on the drugs. Oh, like, to get that do 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 thing happening in time, yeah. you really need to sing over yourself and mm. like, have two people doing it. Mm. So it doesn't really work, so it's just weird. I don't know how it happened. That could be kind of cool, like... Um... Like what you were saying, Matt, earlier, like when you have like the same section of a song on when you record it and like yeah. it's like slightly different, mm. it'd be kind of cool to have like one of your verses be like an overlay, overlapping or like two people singing vocal track where like the rhythm's slightly different. Yeah, something to think about. Could yeah. be kind of cool. Just like break it up a bit. Mm, yeah. So um, you wrote this yesterday, am I right? Yes, yeah. I had the whole day off and I got to about four o'clock in the afternoon, couldn't think of anything. And uh, just went into my room, sort of had an idea for a word in my head, or like a line, and then just worked out what the melody was, and then the rest of it was just improvising on a bass to try and find out where the rest of it lies. Mm. Mm. Like, uh, the reason that um, passing note is built into the chord on the guitar is because when I was doing it on here, it's literally just... Mm. I see. Which is easier to come up with on a bass when you don't have to worry about playing the chord yeah. on top yeah. of it. Did the, uh, did the vocals come at the same time, like the lyrics come at the same time as the bass pl- uh, writing? or? Uh, the verses definitely did. Uh, yeah, like um, I, I had a weird just feeling in my body all day. Right, right. Day. Like I was just felt in a really weird space. Like there was Chest? Yeah, like my heart was about to go or something. Right, yeah, yeah I know okay. the feeling, I get that too. So, uh, yeah, I sort of applied it to something else uh, from a couple of years ago and turned it into a love song. There we go, we've gone from <laughs> disease to love yeah, song in the space got, of got, It's gone verse. from raw, raw blood to... To, to something else entirely. To something else, yeah. <laughs> but it's really good. It and is, it's really strong. Actually, I, I thought I heard quite a bit of the, the food in there. It's it was a bit of a Foo Fighter influence going on. Yeah, I know what you mean, definitely. I I I wasn't consciously thinking of them, mm. but I will take that one. Mm. Mind you, I have been listening to Wasting Light. Wasting Light. Week, so you got it on vinyl, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. You have to show me that later. I'm jealous of that. I really want to see that. <laughs> it's weird. It's printed on two discs, but you play them at forty-five uh, RPM. That's what Heim's record is like. Yeah. Really strange. It's the only record I've got like that. Well, I've got a couple of albums there that are on two discs, mm. uh, but you play them at 30, so for, to play it at um, 45 is a bit weird. That is really strange. Yeah. That's really odd. you have to show me later. I really like that album. Mm. I will do. Oh, also, you got um, In Your Honour, haven't you? From... Oh, yes, I have, yeah. For me. I got, I got the money for that, by the way. Cool. That's in my room. I'll give yeah. it to you after we finish. We'll cut all this, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about, like, things, yeah, what, what, yeah Foo Fighters and stuff. Um, we but, always talk about Foo Fighters. But no, that's really cool. That, that is really cool. Bing, bing! I love that heart, heart harmonic thing. Ding, ding! Yeah. Really cool. That's pretty cool. So I love that riff. It's one of those ones that make me, makes me want a drop A guitar. 
just to do that and for Supremacy by Muse. Which what do you think of the production on that album? What? Which album? That, the album Stacked Actors is on. Which one? Is that... That's, um, nothing Left nothing to Lose. Nothing Left to Lose, isn't it? Yeah, what do you think of the production on that album? I really like it. Mm. It's kind of cool, yeah. It's like garage rock production, but like a yeah. little bit more shiny. Yeah. Yeah. Was recorded uh, to tape, all of it. What, Nothing Left to Lose? Yeah. Really? I yeah. thought it was a digital album. I thought it was like recorded um, just no, digital. it was recorded to tape in the studio. Was it done at... I think there was computer editing done afterwards, but the core of it is done onto tape. Is it... Was it done like at Dave's studio? Yeah. Studio... Was it? Uh, 606? Or? I think it's before 606, but uh, it was at a place they were... They'd rented out to stay and they yeah. took a um, tape recorder there. Yeah, because it's I, the only thing I know about it is it's slightly covered in that um, that documentary, Back and Forth. That's a great documentary. Such um, a great documentary. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, man. I've got it on DVD. Check it out. It to you if you want. That would be really cool. I don't actually own it on DVD, but it's like one of my favourite documentaries, it, full uh, stop. So. I lended it to you, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just lend out my copies of things to everyone. <laughs> That's another one I need to pick up on Blu-ray at some point. One day. When you do, I, I'm, I want that DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a good album, though, and the drums sound really bombastic on it yeah they really do it's like they've pushed it to the point where it's saturating but just saturating enough yeah it's kind of like it's weird like how soft that album is as well considering because you got like Learn to Fly yeah which is one of their softer songs and mm. it definitely feels like a pop record but like the guitars are still distorting and everything mm. and it's but it's still all musical it's this weird happy medium that it lives in mm. I love um, Breakout on that yeah. record. I know it's obvious. It's such a good song, though. It's so good. Yeah. But that flanger on the guitar at the mm. beginning is just so... It's so tasty. Mm. It's brilliant. It's got such a driving chorus as well. It's just... Like, you know. Yeah. And the melody, it just carries it all the way through. That's, I don't... Go on. We've discussed this before, but it's a really weird progression of chords to have at oh, the beginning because yeah. you have like the B major to E major which I can't do on a bass to C sharp major to C major to B major again mm. so weird but it yeah. just works so well it's very nirvana actually like, yeah it is isn't it like the way that um, lithium works yeah uh, that chord when progression you, yeah when you actually play it it's like it's gonna look like it should work like I've always thought that was such a simple chord progression, but I've been really into this guy called John Bryan recently, who like he does film soundtracks, but also he worked with Elliot Smith and Kanye West, who yeah. are like two of my favourite artists. And um, he was talking about uh, Kurt Cobain, and he said like, when I first heard Lithium, I was in somebody's car like in the mid '90s when it first came out on the radio, and he said like that chord progression blew me away. And for some reason on this YouTube video, like the chord progression came up on screen, and I was yeah. like, that looks really strange. I picked up my guitar and played it. I was like, this is genius. Yes. Yeah. Genuinely, one of my favourite things to play on guitar, and it's it's my favourite Nirvana song. If I can, Kurt Cobain was the master of putting chords together that shouldn't necessarily shouldn't go necessarily together. go together. Yeah. I have a slightly different way of playing it. <laughs> well, it requires tuning down to drop D. Oh, okay. Because um, the originals in E flat tuning. Yeah, because I've heard the I can't remember what studio they were in, but there's another studio session where they play it in E 
E major. Right. Which is where um, uh, I practice along to an I, obviously because it's easier for me to play an E. Yeah. Are you still in the same key? No. Uh, no, I've. Oh, you you adjusted. All right. Things. It's virtually the same thing. So yeah. When oh. I do it at gigs, I just do it like that. It's probably closer to how he actually did it as well, a little bit. I suppose so, but then he would have been using E shape, wouldn't he? If D, if D's, hold on. Yeah. What tuning did he play for? That's that what I was going to ask. I have no idea. It's, if it's in E flat. And yeah, and did he have it in drop or did he have it in standard? Because he obviously had drop guitars for one or two things, like all the politics. Heart shape box. Yeah. And that's an E flat actually, but it must be E flat with a drop. With a drop tuning, yeah, because yeah. everyone plays it like that. Yeah. I Certainly play. a drop riff, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm guessing it's. Everything's down to E flat, and then you take that bottom string down a tone as well. Yeah. So it ends up in C sharp. It's kind of like the Biffy Clyro animal style tuning. Right. Uh, I'm not familiar. That, that song is really good. I bought their album the other day, still haven't listened to it yet. Have you not? No. It's, I, it's a cracker. But I do love that riff. It's. So... <laughs> but just that That's a great down. riff. Mm. Is that from the new album? Mm. Uh, Ellipsis. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard one single from it, and I can't... I've got to be honest, I don't think I really liked it. it was, there's been walls of winter from it, hasn't there? Yeah, and then there was... Animal Style as well. Yeah. Oh, and there was... Um, uh, I, how? I can't recall that one. Um, I'm gonna howl like an animal Cause baby, it's hard to let you know did I never learn? I think I've yeah. seen the video once. That, that one's a bit sort of... It's quite repetitive and poppy. Right. Um, it, it, it never grabbed me when I first heard it. Do you like it that now, That might though? be the one that you heard. It might have been, because that's what I remember thinking, is it like, I can't remember, what, I couldn't sing it to you, but what I heard was like quite poppy, and yeah. the production was weird, because it was like Biffy Clyro guitars. Yeah. I didn't know it was then, because it was just on the radio behind me when I was eating yeah. breakfast. Like, Biffy Clyro guitars, and like, sort of like... You know, Katy Perry drums. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. It was really strange. I was yeah. like, I was like, these guys sound like Biffy Clara. I was like looking around. I was like, oh wow, it is them. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Um, what's it called? It's not Chandelier, is it? No. I would never uh, rearrange. Yeah, rearrange. Yeah, that's the one I had. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's the only one that's pretty like far off bat on right. that album. But, I like the melody. For yeah. I'm not keen on the production from what I've heard, but I do like the melody. When you listen to it a few more times, you get you get the idea. Yeah. It fits with the rest of the album. I'll have to check it out. Because, mm. obviously, I've heard, like, their previous albums, and I like that. Like, mm. it's just really smart rock music. Like, yeah. with great lyrics and melodies. So, like, everything I like in rock music. Mm. But, um, but the new one, I was just like, that particular single. But then, obviously, you can't judge an entire album by its single. Exactly. I mean, you yeah. can a bit. You're supposed to a bit, but... Um, I'll have to check it out at some point. 
Oh, by the way, we should keep all of that in. <laughs> we should totally do that. That was like a natural chat about music. That's yeah. what the podcast should be instead of me doing my whole thing. Like, <laughs> Plus, you know. we're talking about Nirvana and Foo Fighters and Royal Blood and Biffy Clara, so people will think we're cool. Yeah, yeah, we can put it in the tags. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, hashtag. I mean, the copyright police are going to be on to us a little bit. <laughs> oh, we didn't actually play the... Um, Recordings, but they can only sue us in one way. Yeah. Take that, society. <laughs> Can't sue us in both ways. Oh dear. <laughs> like I, I was saying to you beforehand, like this is, I never know how good my songs are until I play them to somebody. Yeah. Mm. So, like this one, I was thinking this can go one of two ways. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you kind of like approach songwriting and performance, like, like stand up comedians approach stand up. Like, you can get a joke in your head and, like, a premise for a joke. And this, I only know this because I listen to a lot of comedian podcasts. And, like, and you think it's funny, but they don't know if it's funny until they take it to an open mic and then they try it for an audience. And if the audience laughs, they go, right, okay, this joke works. Yeah. But it has to be... The, the relationship has to exist for the joke to work, and I guess it's kind of the same with songs. When, mm. I, when I come up with a song, I get... I, I can... I, I don't know, maybe it's something I should let go. I've been told I should let it go. But when I come up let with a song... Let it go, let it go. <laughs> I thought somebody The cold never bothered me anyway, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. like, um, I've never heard that sentence say, said so classy. <laughs> the cold never bothered me anyway. The cold never bothered me. <laughs> Sorry, go on. When, when I get a song idea, I will know instantly whether I like it or not and whether I think perceive it as good or not. Yeah. If, I, if I perceive it as good, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a good song. But it's not about you, is it? It's if you're write if you're writing music for people to listen to, it should be about what other people think. At the same time, though, mm. I've always had the viewpoint that an artist should just do what they want to do. So if they mm. think something is valid and worth doing, then that's the only voice they should listen to. True. There, yeah. I, there's both sides, but you don't. I think you can get an idea of where you think a song's good. Like when I wrote "Modify," I was like, "Yeah, this is going to be an alright song," but until you play it in front of people. You don't realise how much they're either going to like or dislike it. Mm. I agree. But I, I think in the middle of what you're both saying there, mm. um, I think there's this sort of like the best voice you can have as a writer, um, as far as like affirming your own ideas, mm. is the one that goes, A, I like this idea for myself because I wrote it mm. um, and it's not bad. And B, at the same time, I also think it's kind of universal. There's something about this that I think other people will like. I think mm. that's probably the best affirmation you can get for yourself. Yeah. It doesn't always happen that way, obviously. But mm. um, I, I usually have it where, like, if I'm writing, I have such a... Um, people listening to this might, like, be like, no, you don't. Oh, well, you turn, mate. But anyway, what I'm saying is, like, I have a high standard of what I will let anyone even hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... I wouldn't bring something to the podcast or put it online or whatever um, if I if it didn't pass what I thought was good. So like, um, I generally just try to please myself, and that's that's really it. And then if anyone pardon? else likes it, huh? I beg your pardon. <laughs> I try to please myself <laughs> every night. Oh god! Sorry. We're gonna have to take this clean lyrics tag off of our iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> just peel that right off. Yeah. No, I think we're all roughly on the same approach then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We're in the same ballpark, yeah. not necessarily all hitting against the same ball. <laughs> that sounds worse. The only ballpark you'd worse. hit a ball against a wall is squash. But is that a park? Huh? Do you play squash in a ballpark? No. No, you play it in a 
Squash center. Squash court. I'm I'm quite keen for the title of the episode to be something like Squash Center. <laughs> squash court. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Is that a ballpark? <laughs> or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> God, this podcast is going to be the longest one ever. I like this one. It's good. Yeah. I've relaxed into it now. At the beginning, mm. I was like, I was really uptight. I was just like, I'm not normally like that. Yeah, but I was just just like, the doors are open. <laughs> People will hear us. Oh, no. So it, when you said earlier, you were talking about how you were going to play it. And you were like, well, I either borrow one of your guitars or play on the piano. And is that just something that comes natural to you that you can hop so quickly between yeah. the two? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a twofold answer to that one. Um, first of all, I'd like to claim to be cocky, but I was just asking about the theme tune. I'd love to be the kind of person who would be like, um, I don't know, I've got the song, I'll need to play it on one or the other. I don't think I could do that mm. uh, on any song that's, like, fresh. Yeah. Um, but, no, I just meant that for the theme tune, but, um... Ah, right, okay. But, um, as far as, like, hopping on different instruments, I... Nice having the birds yeah. on the podcast. Um, what do you call it? I... I often take a guitar song to the piano after a few weeks of it existing and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So, like, um, there's a song I wrote, like, in the last run called uh, Daiquiri, and uh, I wrote that on guitar. It was, like, a country yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then... Johnny Cash-influenced thing. Yeah, it? yeah, just, like, a sort Actually, of... That, that was the song that you wrote when I was a guest last time. Yeah, because I remember we had pause on the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true, actually. Yeah. And then you commented on the yeah. run-up thing. Yeah. Oh, of course, that was you last week. Yeah, of course it was. Years and years of satisfaction. i got nothing up my sleeve. Yeah. For some reason, I thought so you were good. on the episode where I wrote Ricochet. But that's not true, is it? No. No. No, that's not anywhere near true. But um, yeah, I've taken Daiquiri now to piano. That's just okay. like a piano song for me now. I mean, wow. obviously, you still play it on guitar sometimes, but... Um, and then songs like... Um, one of mine, find it where it comes. I've taken that from piano to guitar. Yeah. Like capoed it, and then I just play it that way. But I couldn't do it fresh off the bat. Like I'd have to do it like, you know, if it's written on piano, it has to be played on piano. Otherwise, like my confidence isn't there to perform mm. it. Like, yeah. um, you know, because it's so fresh. It's like I have to kind of know my bearings. You know, so totally. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I got because it's good as time and any to play the song. Okay. It's called One Hundred Buffalo. Oh. Hmm. And it goes in a minute like this. To your mind when nothing has ever moved around Without a sound I save the wreckage from the void Without a noise perform a miracle But were I in there would I find the incapacity you speak about Hey, get me out, cries the hero that I thought I was What did I hope to prove?
this so that you can see the mess we're in I feel just like a hundred buffalo given every green light in the world You wanna give me both your ears so that you can hear the breaking bow It's all around, I wanna quote Lao Tzu or Alan Watts, but what good would it do? Buffalo, so yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and a bit of a mess up in the middle. And like, there's this part on the piano where, like, it's supposed to go like, wait, oh, yeah. but I didn't trust myself to pull it off, like, actually playing it live. So I just kind of like made a like a B major to B major seven type of thing. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, it's a new piece, and uh, and yeah. The B major to B7 thing was really cool. Thank you, I've been doing that quite a lot recently. Like taking whatever the fifth is, and like, kind of like doing the whole... Mm. That sort of rundown. Yeah. Because um, it really builds on the tension that naturally wants to lead back to the root. Yeah. So I have that. Um, I like doing that. I mean, it's kind of at the point now where I'm overusing it a little bit, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, so basically, I wrote the song about um, somebody who's quite close to me, um, who's like going through quite a hard time at the moment, like mentally and everything like that, and emotionally. Mm. And um, for some reason, <laughs> the first lyric that came to me, I was just kind of like making a cup of coffee, and like often I get my ideas in the kitchen because like that's where my piano is in my house. Right. And um, I was just, like, thinking about the whole situation with this person and how, like, I wanted to, like, help them. But, like, you know when you're in a situation where, like, someone you're close to, you want to help them, but there's nothing you can personally do because yeah. it's kind of, like, it's their actions that determine their their outcome, if you know what I mean. But so you can, like, talk to them and all that sort of stuff. But I was thinking, like, the first thing that came to me was, like, because um, I, don't, I don't believe in God in that way, yeah. but, like... There have been times in my life where I'm just, like, so desperate. I've, yeah. like, done anything, just, like, pray or whatever. I'm not, like, a praying person. But um, the first thing that came to my head, it was, like, I maybe God isn't listening after all. Mm. And that's, then, like, that's what I was going to say. I love that line. Thank you. I'm like, very pleased with that one, yeah. I think it's the second time you've mentioned God in a weekly song. Possibly. Daiquiri mentions God. Yeah, Whenever uh, you come on the show, man, I'm yeah. more religious. The third time, there's also in that entitled number two where God is watching from above with a tele uh, telescopic lens. Yeah. But uh, I love like the image of like maybe God isn't uh, listening after all. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of dark for dark's sake, but at the yeah. same time, it's, like, it's genuine because like, when a situation feels hopeless with someone you love, it's like you kind of get that feeling of, like, abandonment in a way. You're just like, oh, everything's so screwed up, you know. And I'm a hopeful person and everything, but just, like, that lyric kind of 
Sometimes I go for it, something it darker a, than it I believe. It paints a good imagery of yes. what the situation feels like. Mm. You see, what I got from it was more that um, if there's no God listening up above, then it's time for me to do something kind of thing. I guess that kind of feels that role too. That's the sort of idea. I mean, that's my preconceptions coming into the idea. But yeah. that's the sort of what I got from the, the imagery of the line. It certainly means means both of what you just said. It's, it's kind of me just kind of going like, there's nothing I can personally do to physically make this person do something good for themselves. Like yeah. That's why like the last line of, this, of the song is, I would throttle this, this lovable idiot idiots. if I thought they'd change. <laughs> like, and I just thought, like, putting those words together and that sort of, like, um, there's a guy, Declan and I are a fan of, John Grant, who, like, uses, Ooh, yes. like, he puts together, like, uh, the line that always comes to mind is, um, I, I regret the day your lovely, lovely carcass, carcass caught my, caught my eye. eye. Right, so it's like oxymoron kind of yeah. you know, sort of territory. properly sincere love song and then you just throw these weird words in there and it, like, that's a sort of weird element which sounds cool yeah it, it just throws some like that... bitter spice into the recipe mm. <laughs> which is cool some bitter spice so like <laughs> just the idea of like throttling someone you really love and calling them an idiot at the same time i just thought that was was how i felt really yeah. <laughs> but it's just like i thought it was a cool line so it's just like god is gone i can't do anything like it's just like a hopeless chorus you yeah. know but um but yeah um let me think it's, lyrically as well it's um, very universal because we've all known people like that haven't we in yeah, lives. absolutely. We've all known someone who, like, you love them to bits, but you wish they'd do something a bit different. Yeah, you're just like, it's almost like, that's why it's the first line is, I want to climb into your mind and just fix it all. Mm. Right, so like, I want to, what's it say, I want to climb into your mind where nothing's ever moved around and then without a sound just move it all back into place. Mm. And then the second stanza of that verse is like, but were I in there, I'd probably find the incapacity you're actually talking about. Mm. Like, if someone's going through a hard time, they're going, yeah, but if you were me... Yeah, you would you, understand everything yeah. from the way I'm You wouldn't it. do... Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't do all these proactive, positive things because you'd be feeling the way I do if you were me. Yeah. So it's like that. It's kind of trying to see it from... Their perspective. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Um, which, is, which is difficult, but you need to do it if you care about someone, obviously. Um, totally. And uh, let me just think as well. Um, I kind of came up with the uh, the idea for um, for my next album's title, which is going to be 100 Buffalo. That's going to be the title of the album. Yeah, right. you told me this after you wrote it. You said, this is a song. It's a good song. I like it. It's going on my second album. The title might be my second album name. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't even think of it until um, the other day. Obviously, I had the song title, but... Um, uh, I went to go and see my friend Joe, because um, he's down, down in Cornwall at the moment, uh, Joe of Pea Green Boat, and... Um, and he was going like, oh, you got a new weekly song this week. And I was like, yeah. I said, what's it called? I said, it's called 100 Buffalo. And he said, what does that mean? And like I was saying, well, it's about this situation, which I just described to you guys. Um, uh, it's basically like the severity of the situation and the pressure I'm feeling from it mm. is like 100 Buffalo have just been given every green light in the world and they're all coming at me at once. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he, he went, um, and Joe's great at like these kind of like... Uh, springboard ideas so to speak he went you should call the album that and the artwork should be um like a, a sort of like mojave desert with like a crossroads in the middle of it and a green light and then 100 buffalo in like cartoon style mm. i was like that's a great idea yeah and um and so i was like okay it's happening so um he's got like a real dominion over like what i'll do <laughs> creatively <laughs> so um so he could pretty much say anything it, but, must, um, it must be a good friend to be able to do that yeah definitely i mm. mean i'm i'm trying to trust my friends um uh, opinions more because like you said earlier with your band I'm very much a control freak with yeah. stuff 
Like, I like, I, I mean, on my last record, I played everything myself. Mm. Um, because I was like, I can't, I don't want to give this to anyone else. Yeah, I, I felt exactly the same way. Because I know, I know what my, my bass parts should be like. I'm not the great, but greatest bassist, but I know what they should be like, etc., yeah. etc. Whereas this time, with this uh, next one, um, I'm trusting my friends and I'm going to ask my friends to come on and play mm. and just like offer opinions and like go, hey, do you want to do a guitar solo? Do you want to try some backing vocals? Tell me what I should be doing. Yeah. Because I don't have all the answers, you know. So mm. um, I thought 100 Buffalo kind of was a good representation of like more than one as well, you know, more than just me. Mm. But um, yeah. Oh, uh, if you don't mind, uh, something I want to say about this song is um, the chord, the modulations, what I was quite pleased with. Um, so basically, the song starts in E minor, that sort of thing, and then the bus is, and then it goes to A minor, but it doesn't hit on A minor, it hits on the E major, which is obviously the majored fifth. What's the actual term for that? If you're an A minor, what's the E major? See, I would just regard that as being in... C, so I would call that a major third. Major third. So you're in E minor, and then you're going down, and then you go to the major third, as you just said, of um, of C. Yeah. And then immediately that wants to resolve to A minor, so now you're just plodding along in C. Wait. Yeah. And then obviously, which is D to D7, to B to B7. And then obviously you're back in the right place to go back to E. It's kind of nice because you're transitioning between a couple of keys that are different, but they're not so different from each other that it's jarring. Or like it's not mm. a deliberate, we're somewhere else now. It's it's sound, like it sounds natural. Yeah. It, it definitely felt natural. Like it was kind of an accident in a way. Like I kind of probably put my fingers down in the wrong place and I realised I've just played like an E major inversion. And I was like, it naturally leads to A. Um, and then it changes key again when it goes to the chorus, so you're playing, obviously, in A minor. And then... Uh, you're playing a, sh a major version, a major second in the C major scale, which would normally be a D minor, but now it's a D major. I'm having to think of this. And then climb up to E major, which is going to be the fifth below the chorus, which is an A major. So I was like, I was really pleased with like how that kind of came out because yeah. it was very much unintentional. It's just like that's where the song kind of wanted to go, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. And um, so I was just like, yeah, fair enough. You know, I'm not going to complain about modulation. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of cool when you have one of those moments where you're sitting at piano and suddenly you make a mistake, but then the song starts writing itself, and you think, hold on, I'll just let my fingers do all the work. I'm just going to take a break for five minutes. That's yeah. yeah. With. <laughs> like those are usually the best writing times. It's like when you're a guitar or piano and your finger slips to a note you're not supposed to play and you're like, oh, that's jazzy. Or like, that's a cool way to do that. Mm. And then that becomes part of your playing repertoire from I then think, on. I think uh, I would expect that that happens more so with piano than guitar though. I think so because your fingers can yeah. slip much more easily. Like yeah. You can just kind of play the wrong note sort of thing. Or, or you've got... I mean, when you see the keys in front of you, it's easier to go off the beaten track, I find. I, I don't even play keys, but if I sit behind a keyboard, I can play some basic chords. Yeah. And when I, whenever I do that, and I touch on notes that I wouldn't normally do when I have a guitar, mm. because I feel, when I look at a fretboard, I feel not constrained, but... You see the patterns. Yeah, I see the pa yeah, I see the patterns more than anything else. And I, I guess I feel like I know 
what I'm capable of, but I think I could open up more mm. if I was to play keys. I Absolutely. Think. I, I think that's a definite thing. I mean, like, um, you could just plop your fingers down anywhere yeah. inside of a shape, yeah. and then nine times out of ten, you end up with something at least interesting. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, probably easier on piano than it is guitar, but it is a cool thing to try. Mm. I mean, I think, like, often people, when they start playing keys like friends I've had who like started playing keys like later on like as a teenager or something they've been afraid of like playing the wrong notes mm. and I think you get to a point where like you play for long enough that you kind of know the rules and you can break them yeah you know and you can kind of like throw in notes that you wouldn't normally throw in which is always fun and it leads to cool things like that the modulation and everything but but yeah so that's the song for this week yeah it's really good. Thank really you. I've, good. Got a, okay. I've got an interesting song which I brought to Majora, actually. Okay. Which has a similar sort of idea behind it, if you don't mind me showing me. Yeah, Just of course. Yeah, please. We're happy to hear. It's, it's, um, it's sort of... When I was writing it, which was months ago, I was thinking of lithium, actually, and oh. the way the chords... But then I was trying to add extra bits to them and try and make a sort of chord progression that was similar in a way. Yeah. So had this weird idea and it just sort of birthed a song. And I just, oh, wow, I like that. I really like the way those, those two go together. I've never tried that before. And I've never just... seen that done before. <laughs> That's very cool. It's kind of almost like that uh, C sharp minor shape that Dave Grohl uses except you're Barring, I think, it's underneath so, as well. And you're putting... I'm just adding in whatever you call that. So it's, oh, a, it's an F sharp major, but not because oh. the major sharpens. Or oh, with the fourth in it. Right. Yeah. Oh, now you know what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Of course, because the major's a third, isn't it? So. Yeah. So it's just like a third to a, a major F. It's so jarring, but in a really cool way. Yeah. Majaro. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always think, though, when I'm writing songs specifically for the band. I'm like, it's just got to have some sort of edge to it. What can I throw in? Is that a full song? Yeah. That you play with the band? Yeah. I've got to come and see you guys play again live soon. I'd love to see that live. It's kind of like, it was one of the four songs I was talking about earlier that we kind of just got together in practice and I was like, right, we need four new songs. I've got that, I've got this, I've got this. Should we learn them today? We managed to just get them all all finished in a, about three hours as a band. That's amazing. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. You guys are way faster at working than we are. Yeah, we take a whole week to write one fucking song. But having said that, we're not on our primary but, instrument. You are, but... But then the problem is, it's pro- probably, like I said earlier, it's probably because it's quite a dictatorship on my part. <laughs> a benevolent dictatorship. I'm, I'm just like, right, yeah, yeah. And they start playing something. I'm like, actually, I was thinking more like this. <laughs> but I guess you're tactful instead of being like you what are you doing you know, just like, maybe. You it depends guy. on the situation <laughs> yeah I wish I was better at like being that assertive guy like being like look no that's not the way it goes yeah. I can't do that I'm just like oh, you know maybe just and I yeah. just like suggest things when like the best I think we're still well, I think we're both on the same wavelength with that like I'd never go that downright no you're not doing that to someone yeah but I would suggest an alternative but there's... Yeah. Sorry, go on. Well, I've been in bands before where I have been that assertive and I haven't been the songwriter and it get, it gets me kicked out of a few bands. Yeah. 
I think it goes back to that thing of, like, if you are the songwriter, then you have some dominion over it. But I've always kind of, like, envied that type of personality. Like, James Brown, if his musicians uh, played off notes, he'd find them money. Oh, yeah, that's a brilliant story. That's crazy. Yeah, if he heard them play a wrong note, he'd, like, raise a finger up. We'd raise two fingers up. And that was in fives how many dollars they'd lost off their (laughs) payment that night. Frank Zappa did a similar thing with his musicians if he heard a bum note because he had perfect ears and they were playing his, like, fully composed uh, music. Um, if he'd give them three strikes. Right. And he'd go, like, three strikes and you're out of the band. <laughs> oh, God. I think that's the story. That, that, could is, be pr- that is pressure, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I just like how he ran, like, a tight band. I've been, I've been really into Zappa recently this past, like, couple of weeks again. And um, he was saying, like, because he was, like, really anti-drugs. Mm. Um but when he was on the road, his musicians um, were not allowed any drugs. Yeah. Purely because um, if they were arrested, they were, you know, they couldn't play the show. Yeah. And they were on tour. So he said, look, no drugs on the road. And then he would just fire people if they took drugs. And I, I really respect that kind of like, these are the rules. And if you, you know, I'm paying you as musicians. And yeah. If you don't follow them, you're out of the band. Mm. Um, I think I admire that more because I'm not that type of person. Yeah. And um, I, I suppose I respect that in people. But... I don't know where we were with this before I said that. But. <laughs> well, I think I think it depends as well. If you are, are a tight-knit band or whether it's just session musicians. Yeah. Because there's such... There's, you know, in a band you're investing in each other. When you when it's session musicians, there's one guy paying out for all of them. Yeah. That's the kind of thing, like you just said, like you're contributing to art that you your name is... properly going to be associated with if you're in a band or if you're in any kind of creative output even if you don't write the songs your name is still going to be attached to the output but if you're a session musician you just turn up and play the notes yeah you're just a mercenary for hire Mm. so the thing is I find difficult is like because like I write my own songs I guess we all do Mm. um I find it difficult Roger you should write a podcast (laughs) about that every week um I find it difficult to like for musicians to share the passion that I have for my own songs, mm. so I end up just usually paying people. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> my voice just cracked like a teenager again. Um, but I just, like... Because, like, I've had friends before, and, like, we were, like, great close friends, you know? Mm. But when it comes to being in a band where, like, I want my songs to be the, you know, the focus... Yeah. Not in an egoic way, just, like, I, I like my songs and I write songs. Yeah. Um, then it's always like they don't care as much as I do naturally, of course, yeah. because they've got their own projects and stuff. So yeah. I often find like having that uh, session musician approach can be good, but it's obviously the money. The money's hard to come up with to pay people. But mm. but that's that's the sort of situation where you you have to be assertive. You know, if you're outlaying thousands of pounds for session musicians mm. to go on tour with, say you're in that position, then you know you've got to be like you said, like Frank Zappa was. You've got to have ground rules. I think yeah. even in a band, to an extent, you have to have a, like a yeah, sort of an agreement. Be, yeah, like you know, yeah. like we're all humans, we're all going to have fun. Yeah. if you do this, you're out. Yeah, or yeah. like what, di- or even if it's like the direction the band's going, or you know what takes precedence in certain areas. Because the worst thing you can do is just have loads of people with different ideas not communicating about what they want to do with the music, yeah. and that's the recipe for a band blowing up. It has to have a leader. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or at I, least someone to break arguments down. Mm. Like. I think that's the thing recently I've tried to do more and more because I'm not naturally like, uh, what do you call it? Like, I can't naturally just say all my ideas. Mm. Like, I, I find myself quite reserved in a, in a band format. So, like, I just kind of tend to say, like, you're checking the time, though. Yes, 
oh, we, we think we're doing fine, the bar's not even halfway yet. But I find myself just like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, trying to like force out my ideas, like, or at least if I don't like something, I'll go, nah. You know, mm. I'll try and say I don't think that's a good idea, but it doesn't come easily for some reason. Yeah. Probably because of the old childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you didn't tell us more about it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Weekly Therapy Podcast. Yeah, we did, we did a sofa in it now. Just, yeah. yeah. Well, it started when I was five. Why couldn't I have the red blocks, mother? Why couldn't I? <laughs> Why didn't my sister get them instead? I wanted the red blocks. <laughs> now I don't have the metaphorical red blocks of adulthood. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. Right, so that's it from the Weekly Song Podcast for this week. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, come to uh, send us an email at theweeklysongpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on our SoundCloud page or go on to our Facebook page, which is Weekly Song Podcast. Type that into the search bar on Facebook. Come up with the pages. We'll be there. It'll be amazing. Also, go on iTunes and leave us a review if you like this. Or even if you don't like it. Or even if you're kind of ambivalent about it, but, you know, you, you still think it was okay. So and, leave us a review. Uh, uh, visit rogerheathers.com for me. Uh, Matt, where can they find you? At, um, at the moment, at Facebook and SoundCloud. Uh, Bandcamp and on all the online stores. If you look up Majaro, then M A J A R O. That's it. Yeah. Um, you can alternatively search Majaro Colorblind EP on Google, and you can also like me on Facebook at Matt Partridge Music for my solo stuff. Hooray! Sweet. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. Yes, that we would will. be cool. And, uh, and yeah, uh, thank you for listening, as Declan said, and uh, thanks for joining us, Matt. It's been a real thank pleasure you. to have you. Cheers. Been, like a pleasure really nice way here. to spend like a summer's afternoon. The birds yeah. are still singing. The sky, uh, the sky is still out. I mean, the sun is still the out. The sky is still out. <laughs> the sky hasn't fallen yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it will do one day. Right. We'll uh, see you in the future. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. Bye.